We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by The Bear Report. Uh, my name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usain Koshal. Usain, how are we doing today, man? Doing well, man. We got the Senior Bowl happening both like literally and virtually next week. Excited for that. How are you? Yeah, doing good, man. Yeah, like you said, we're recording this episode on Thursday, January 21st, so the week before the Senior Bowl, and... You know, like you said, it's an exciting time. Uh, they're doing it a little bit differently this year um, due to COVID protocols. So uh, they're going to have closed practice sessions and the uh, actual Senior Bowl game going on uh, next week. Um, but they're going to be kind of limiting contact through that. It's going to be uh, kind of weird how they do that this year, but they're also going to be doing this virtually uh, where you can watch the practices as well um and uh get to interview some of the guys as well too or, or at least get to see some of that coverage as well so uh, a lot to look forward to at the senior bowl there and as i mentioned in last week's episode uh, i'll be making the trip down there this year so i'm really excited it's gonna be my first senior bowl experience really looking forward to it and this is where the fun really begins for draft season it's, it's kind of where everything starts to kick off here um so i mean this is uh this is really it we're you know, with the Chicago Bears season done, we're officially transitioned to that portion of the year. And these next few months, it's going to be really fun, you said, and it really starts here. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, and the big thing with the Senior Bowl is I know they have a completely different format. I don't want to say necessarily completely different, but they are doing a couple things differently, you know. 
media day is going to be looking different. They are going to have weigh-ins, but they're not going to have like anyone with a media pass there. So it's going to be very interesting to see just over the next couple of days here and all throughout next week, how NFL teams, coaches, players, scouts, how they kind of go ahead and handle this whole thing. Because again, I think that when we flash back to last year, it was a completely regular, regular year. Anyone could go ahead. Anyone could kind of talk to prospects, you know, weigh-ins had NFL team coaches, there, players, um, players, you know, they had their college coaches there, but this year it's completely different. So we're going to have to see, and it's going to truly be a um, first time that, uh, you know, it's going to be a somewhat of a different senior bowl. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. And again, it's going to be my first time going down there, which I mean, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, make sure to do that throughout the week. And I'll be tweeting a bunch of stuff during all this and trying to keep you guys as updated as possible on what's going down at the practices there. Um, and yeah, it'll, it'll be certainly different from previous years. You know, I followed it in, in previous years, but you know, that was always uh, kind of just virtually just kind of, uh, you know, always following the practice clips on Twitter, uh, following some of the guys that were down there in Mobile, Alabama and trying to see, you know, watching maybe the NFL network and, and seeing some of the stuff going down there, um, you know, live when that was on. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, how they handle that uh, this year. And it, it should be interesting because there are a lot of intriguing names to watch uh, that'll be participating in the senior bowl this year. Uh, a lot of big names, a lot of guys are going to be drafted high, but also a lot of guys that, uh, you know, will be interesting sleepers to keep an eye on as the, as the process starts to unfold here over the next few months. So uh, I think that's a good way to transition to the subject for this episode. And like, you know, we can talk about, it's going to be all about the senior bowl. So uh, we're going to be breaking down some of the top names that'll be going down that mobile uh, next week. Uh, some we've already talked about in the past, but uh, you know, we're going to be mentioning some under the radar guys that we haven't been able to talk about as much uh, over the last few weeks or so. Um, some guys who could really help their draft stock with a good showing uh, in this next upcoming week or so. So a lot to get forward here today, uh, but before we get to that, we're going to take our first break of the show with a word from our sponsor. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, starting off our Senior Bowl discussion by going over some of the big names that we're going to be looking forward to seeing on the offensive side of the ball that will be down there at the Senior Bowl. And I think, you know, obviously the big discussion is going to be about the quarterback position with the Chicago Bears this offseason. And when you look at some of the big name quarterbacks that are going to be down there, obviously Mac Jones is probably the biggest name he just joined, but uh, two guys that I'm interested in watching uh, down here in Mobile are going to be Jamie Newman and Kellen Mond from Georgia uh, for Jamie Newman and Texas A&M respectively for Kellen Mond. Um, Newman, I'm going to start with uh, because he's a bit of a mystery for me. He's a guy that has flashed a ton of physical ability. Uh you know, for those who may not be aware of his background here, Jamie Newman, uh, he sat out this last season. He was supposed to play at Georgia, but he decided to opt out for the year to train for the draft. 
uh, with COVID protocol and all that stuff going on. The year before in 2019, though, he was the starter at Vanderbilt. And it was really interesting because uh, Vanderbilt kind of runs a very odd offense, to say the least. It's a lot of uh, triple option type of stuff. And the way they do it is kind of weird. So it's really hard to evaluate him when you're just looking at clips online or in the limited film that I've been able to see because their offense is just so unconventional. Um, but he's flashed some really impressive ability, especially with his deep ball accuracy. He's shown a very beautiful deep ball in the past. Um, and like I said, didn't play this year. So, you know, how rusty is he going to be? Is he going to be, you know, I'm just really interested to see how he does in an environment like this. He's going to have practices uh, with new wide receivers, a, a new environment, you know, not competing in the last year or so. So he's a guy that's going to be very interesting to uh, take note of as the week progresses. Yeah, Newman's really interesting because when we look at kind of the way the timeline for quarterbacks in this draft, or at least in this draft process of progress, we knew going into the year that, and this goes all the way back to summer, right? So like July, August, I mean, we knew going into the year that you were going to have Lawrence and Fields locked into one and two. There was hype around Trey Lance. I mean, we know that Zach Wilson kind of came out of nowhere. There was always some eyes on Mac Jones. And then beyond that, you had a whole group of guys like, I mean, Desmond Ritter went from Cincinnati. He went back to school, but you had, you know, a crop of guys like Jamie Newman, um, you know, even Kyle Trask, right? Newman's kind of one that because he opted out, he ended up like getting lost in the whole conversation. I'm not saying that Newman was ever going to be as good or as hyped up as some of these other guys that I just mentioned. But Newman is, you know, the type of player you look at where you're like, okay, so he does have some really nice tools and you could definitely see him not necessarily being an undrafted free agent, but being the type of quarterback where a team does take a day three flyer on him because teams are always looking for ways to add to the quarterback room. And I think in the context of the Bears, I mean, well, we've seen Ryan Pace say at the end of the 2019 season, he was like, hey, look we want to go ahead and we want to increase competition at every position that includes quarterback. And essentially the mess that was a press conference a couple of weeks ago, right? The season ending presser for 2020, even there, he was like, look, everything's on the table for QB. And I know that pace has only drafted one quarterback in six, essentially seven offs in six off seasons with Chicago, right? But you look at it and you say, okay, this is the year that they could they honestly selecting multiple quarterbacks is not going to hurt them because you do have these guys like Newman that, okay, I get he's been out of football for a year, but there is still a lot to like about him that you could see him develop at least into a viable backup. Yeah. He has a ton of upside to work with here. I think with Newman, um, but he is a bit of a project. And I think this has to be kept in mind for any team drafting him or anybody scouting him. Um, you know, he's not a finished product at all as of yet. Again, he took a year off and even the year he did play, I mean, it was such an odd offense that it's just hard to see that translate into the NFL, but there is a lot of physical ability to work with here, like I've said before. And, uh, you know, he does have the talent, I think, to be a guy that you can take on day three and he has a legitimate chance of maybe developing into a low end starter type of quarterback. I could very well see that happening. And the same goes with Kellen Mond as well uh, from Texas A&M, who I also mentioned here. Uh, he's kind of the opposite of Jamie Newman because uh, we have a lot of tape to work with here on Mond. And he's, I, I believe he started for four years at Texas A&M. And it's kind of a similar deal with Jamie Newman. He's got very good physical ability, good arm, good mobility, pretty decent size for the position. 
but when you look at him and his career in college, just a lot of inconsistency there. You know, he was either really, really good. His highs are, are fantastic, but his lows can be very frustrating. Uh, there's a lot of really bad stuff there on tape as well. But, you know, I, I think the challenge for Mond is kind of finding that middle ground and uh, raising his floor a little bit. But, you know, he's another guy that has a lot of physical ability. And if he can really put together a few nice practices here and really show some things to the coaches that are working there and show some good things, maybe in the film room aspect of things, um, he's another guy that could rise on draft boards. Right now he's projected as a mid to late day three guy. I don't know. He's one of those guys that I wouldn't see. It wouldn't be surprising to me to see him go late day two, potentially. Yeah. Mondi is really interesting because when we look at like a lot of the, the quarterback class coming out in 2020, there was not tons of hype around Mond because it was the year of Tua and Joe Burrow, but Mond kind of went ahead to return to school for another year, which again, I really think benefited him more than a lot of the other quarterbacks in this class, right? That, again, have gotten kind of lost in the shuffle here, right? And so the thing is, when I look at Mon, you pretty much hit every nail on the head, right? He is someone that has everything needed to effectively play quarterback, right? But he's really got to clean the inconsistencies up because we've seen it as people who cover the Bears, and we've just seen it across the league, that young guys that come into this league and that are unable, especially at the quarterback position, that are unable to clean their consistency issues up, those are issues that never, ever go away. And especially when you look at the way that the game is changing, that you can hide the deficiencies of your quarterback, but you can only hide the deficiencies so much because you know you're going to have to rely on the quarterback to win you games. It just makes getting rid of those inconsistencies and kind of flattening out that up and down curve even more important. So when I look at Mon heading to Mobile, right, the big thing that I'm going to be watching for, right, is can he be consistent enough to kind of wow these NFL scouts in these practices, right, and these NFL teams to the point where he's significantly increasing his own stock? Yep, that, that's going to be the challenge for him. You know, he has the ability. He can make some really high-level throws, I think, especially down the field and with some zip on his ball in the intermediate parts of the field. And he's got the mobility to where, you know, he, you can work him off of zone read stuff, read option, and, and, and the RPO game and all that stuff. And he can be pretty effective there running the football as well. So he's a very intriguing guy to watch. And it'll be, you know, we'll see how he does uh, in this next week or so here down at the Senior Bowl. All right, moving on to some other positions. I think the wide receiver is another position the Bears, uh, they need to keep tracks on in this draft because it's another really strong year for wide receivers, not only just up top, but, I mean, there's a lot of talent that's going to be there available to them in day two and even deep into day three of this draft, kind of similar to last year's uh, draft in that regard. And, and two names that are kind of under the radar, I think, for, for most casual fans that are covering the draft. Um, that go to small schools here are Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan and Cade Johnson out of South Dakota State. Uh, both of these guys are, like I said, small school receivers. Uh, both of them have returner upside, which is interesting. When you look at Eskridge specifically, I watch him play and I almost see like a clone of Debo Samuel uh, who plays for the 49ers right now. He's a guy that can play inside in the slot or outside. He can run a full route tree. Um, he's actually a pretty decent route runner, all things considered. But where he is best, in my opinion, is when he gets the ball after the catch. He has really good speed uh, to be able to just make game-breaking plays once you give him the ball in space. And that just makes him really lethal on slants, crossing routes, screen passes. 
all those underneath stuff where you can get the ball in his hands quickly and he can just go out there and make a play for you. Yeah, you mentioned everything that Eskridge is really good at. And I think that, you know, adding to the slot receiver position or adding a good slot receiver is going to be something critical for the Bears, right? Because like when we do look at the state of the wide receiver room, the big thing that we have to understand is that there's not necessarily, there's only one wide receiver under contract for 2021, right? Which is um, Darnell Mooney, right? I know that Anthony Miller's would be going into the fourth year of his rookie contract, but there's not really a guarantee that he's back because I know the Bears can cut him and save like $1.5 million or something. But you look at Eskridge, right? The routes that he's able to run, you just mentioned, those are all the routes needed to be able to be an effective slot wide receiver in this offense right and I think that when we just look at the fact of like things like punt returns and whatnot I mean Chicago I don't foresee Cordero Patterson being back right so the Bears gonna have to figure out a slot receiver slot receiver while they're gonna have to figure out a punt returner and a consistent kickoff person this upcoming offseason because they can't go out and pay someone free agent he's 10 million over two years for Patterson was a smart move but it was also a bit way too much money just for a guy to consistently be able to be back there on kickoff returns. They don't want to put Tariq Cohen back there either, right? So Eskridge is one of those guys that you look at and you're like, okay, he could legitimately slip under the um, radar and then be someone that the Bears can find as a steal on day three. And I think when we look at the history of wide receivers with Ryan Pace, they found guys who have been productive throughout college on day three of the draft. I mean, just look at Riley Ridley. It's just the issue has been they haven't necessarily gotten those guys on the field and gotten them the necessary or adequate amount of reps to see what they can really do at this level. Yeah, and that's going to be the challenge here. I think part of that is because uh, they've invested a lot in that position over the past few years. So there's just a, you know, a lot of, you know, bodies there in the depth charts kind of overcome there. But Certainly, uh, I think they still need an influx of talent there. When you compare it to the Bears wide receiver core to the rest of the NFL, I think they're just an average unit right now, and that's even with Allen Robinson. You know, when you combine the fact that you might lose Allen Robinson this offseason, uh, certainly getting more talent in that position is going to be ideal. And like you said, uh, they could use uh, a potential – potentially they could use another slot receiver, and that's where I think Johnson comes into play here because like you said – uh, it's no guarantee that the Bears are going to keep Anthony Miller uh, this offseason. So he could be out the door, whether it be trade or through getting cut. Um, you know, his, his status on the roster is very unclear. And I think Johnson, he's kind of that typical undersized slot guy with absolute burner speed. He's a very fast, quick, twitchy player. But he's, he's again, like I said, he's a smaller guy. I think he's about six feet tall, about 170 pounds is, is what I saw. So He's small. He's a guy that uh, you kind of worry about his ability to hold up long-term um, injury-wise. Um, kind of similar to what we saw of Darnell Mooney uh, in last year's draft, but when you watch Johnson play, he's a guy that's very elusive in space, and I think he has a chance to be a late-round steal. I think he has a lot of ability. Um, you know, Maybe he won't be a, a consistent weapon for your offense in terms of being maybe your number one or two or three wide receiver, but maybe as a rotational guy in the slot, a guy who can provide return value. You can run certain plays for him. I, I think that Johnson's a guy that maybe in the fifth or sixth round uh, could be a steal for the Bears if they would go in that direction. 
Yeah, you definitely hit it right on the head there. I mean, they need to be looking at all avenues of figuring out that slot wide receiver position because I seriously don't think that Anthony Miller is going to be back. But it's like you look at Kay Johnson, just he was a two year starter at South Dakota State, right? And he was highly productive in those two seasons. I mean, just in, um, he didn't obviously play here in. 2020 but when he was on the field in 2018 and 2019 right in 2019 specifically he averaged 17 yards of reception right and he got about you know 1230 yards of actual receiving production you know so it is a guy who has shown that okay i may not necessarily ever be a super high volume wide receiver at the next level considering the level of competition that he's played at against or he played against in college right but he is the type of player where in the nfl he can have you know three four five six receptions a game and just the um just the uh you know the speed alone is gonna make him an asset because we've seen when this off at least in this like andy reed kind of offense when you do have speed on any given play, right, it benefits everybody. It benefits the other wide receivers, right? And the biggest benefit perhaps is the tight end because when you have a receiver that's going to, a speedy receiver that's going to take the top off the defense, usually it means the tight end is going to be open underneath for a quick, um, you know, a shorter intermediate pass. Yeah, I think adding speed to this offense is probably the biggest thing they can do to help out Obviously, besides fixing the court acquisition, but I think the main thing the Bears need to do this offseason is try to add more speed. They added it with Darnell Mooney last year, but I don't think that's enough. I think we've seen with Nagy's offense, you know, when you look at the way it's being run in Kansas City, obviously there's a ton of talent on that offense regardless. But uh, one of the things that separates uh, that Kansas City offense is that they have a ton of speed. Uh, it's basically like a track team, basically, right there. So I think if Nagy wants to replicate that here in Chicago – they need to create an emphasis on getting faster, more explosive wide receivers for their offense. And uh, and that starts maybe in the draft and getting a guy like one of the two that we just mentioned here with Eskridge and Johnson. All right. Uh, the last two players I want to focus on on the offensive side of the ball are two small school offensive lineman prospects. And one of them is going to be Quinn Miners from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater Division Three school and Spencer Brown, offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. Um, so I'm going to start with Miners here. Uh, he's a left guard at, like I said, the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Um, but he's a guy that when you – I've been able to watch any, like, full game tapes of him, but you just watch his highlight videos on YouTube, for instance. Uh, this guy just bullies people, man. He, his highlight tape is so fun to watch, and – it's hilarious because obviously he's, he's, it's a competition against D3 players. So these are guys that are not going to be remotely close to making it to the NFL for the most part. But, I mean, he, he looks like a grown man going up against little kids, and he's just throwing them around like a giant brute. Uh, it's, it's hilarious to watch. I'm really, I'm really fascinated to see how he does because this is obviously a huge jump in competition um, from – you know, going up against, you know, guys that he's just physically just more dominant than, just bigger and stronger, faster than, uh, to guys that are going to be more at his level from an athletic standpoint and size standpoint. So he's really intriguing because if he can translate to the jumping competition, I mean, man, there's a lot to like there about a guy uh, in the interior of that offensive line there that brings that type of uh, attitude and hit power in the run game. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, and um, 
the thing with a lot of these D3 players to understand is the fact that coming out of high school, right, they may not have been the best athletes. They may not have been the most technically refined guys, but having at least played college football, no matter at what level it was, they obviously became more technically refined. And that's the reason that like they've ended up in mobile here and gotten their senior bowl invites. Because I think that, you know, when I had an opportunity to kind of briefly talk to Jim Nagy on another podcast I was doing last year at this time, that's essentially one of the things he told me is that like, look, a lot of the athletes you see, they may, especially from the smaller schools, they may not, like I said a moment ago, have been the most technically refined coming out of high school, but they've gotten to that point. And so ultimately, right, when we look at it, I mean, Minaret, you know, he Minarez is one of the guys that you look at and you're like, okay, could legitimately be a steal. And I know that some people are going to be like, hey, look, the Bears drafted two, you know, I think it was D2 guys in Hambright and Simmons last year. Didn't play them all year at all but again they are still going to need to draft guys on day three to be able to um add to the uh you know add some offensive line depth because when we look at it like ultimately you know Jermaine Effetti might not be back I mean Bobby Massey he's probably not going to be back either because they can save eight million dollars eight or nine million cutting him you look at Charles Leno Jr. I know you and I went back and forth on Twitter about this yesterday right about how okay Charles Leno Jr. staying because he's like an above average left tackle that is making some decent money, right? He's not making like the $23 million a year that other left tackles are, but yeah, Chicago's going to have to add offensive line depth to this group. Yeah, absolutely. And it all starts out the offensive. We saw in the middle of the year when injuries and, and COVID hit the offensive line, I mean, it just fell apart because they just did not have the requisite depth to be able to hold up there. And I know things stabilized near the end of the year, but I mean, let's be real here. Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars aren't long-term starters you want to necessarily build around here. So they need to add talent here. And, you know, Miners, he's a guy that it's, it might be a hard sell for some people just because of the fact that he's coming from a small school. But uh, there is upside to work with here. And speaking of upside, the next guy, the last guy we're going to talk about here for the offensive side of the ball, Spencer Brown. He's a right tackle that I think has as much upside as any tackle in this draft class. And that's saying a lot because this is a very loaded tackle class overall. But I mean, when you look at Spencer Brown, he's got exceptional length and athleticism for a guy of his size. I mean, he's six foot nine, 320 pounds. So he's a guy that uh, when you're just looking at him getting off the bus necessarily for that expression, uh, he looks like an offensive tackle in the NFL, even though he's playing at a smaller school. Um, and some of the things I like about him, he, he plays very mean in the run game. He brings a little nastiness. He's not afraid to get chippy in that aspect of things. And you can run a variety of, of different schemes with him just because of his mobility and ability to get out in space and his footwork and, and things of that nature. Um, the thing with him, though, is he does need to get stronger in order to anchor, and he needs to refine his technique a little bit. Um, but hopefully he's made some strides there over the last year or so, and it can show that off here at the senior bowl, because if he's able to anchor, uh, against some of these, you know, against a pretty good, uh, group of pass rushers that are going to be down here in mobile, uh, his upside is through the roof. So he's a guy that I think could be going up high up draft boards right now. I think he's kind of projected as an early day three player. I wouldn't be surprised with a good week if he's cemented as a maybe a third round or even late second round type of guy. 
Yeah, and, you know, he is one guy to definitely keep an eye on down there, Spencer Brown, right? But I think another really interesting player, and this is someone that as an offensive lineman, right, I've had my eye on him since I started scouting Trey Lance back over the summer, right? But it's going to be North Dakota State's Dylan Radnose. I mean, he is a traditional left tackle. And when I look at him, right, he's got pretty decent athleticism all right and he's really good in the run game because he plays with a nasty and aggressive mindset and so red news is going to be down in mobile and he's going to be another name to keep an eye on as i would say right now because he does have to add more like muscle and mass to his frame i would say he's a guy that's gonna slip under the radar and then be the type of player that you can draft in like round three or four yeah, Red News is interesting, too. I think him and Brown are, are pretty similar in terms of uh, their tra- trajectory in that um, with a good senior bowl here, if they show that they can translate to higher-level competition, I, both of those guys have the physical tools that you look for in tackles. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. Those are two guys that are both going to be names to keep an eye on um, if you're looking for some of those small-school tackles here that the Bears could address that uh, outside of the first – one or two rounds or so, I'd, I'd say. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, we covered a lot of offensive players here um, for this one. We'll see how they, how they do uh, down this weekend in Mobile. I think the two positions that I'll be looking at the most will be offensive line and the quarterbacks here. Uh, we'll see how they do. Uh, we're going to transition now to the defensive side of the ball. But uh, before we get to that, we're going to take another break uh, for another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. Moving on from the offensive side of the ball, uh, we're going to discuss some of the top names that, or at least that we're looking at here for the defensive side of the ball, looking at the senior bowl coming up in about a week or so. And, you know, the first guy I'm going to start with, you said, it starts at the quarterback position because I think quarterback is kind of a sneaky need uh, for the Bears this offseason. Not that I think it's necessarily glaring, but you look at the position as a whole, for this team, you have Kyle Fuller going into the last year of his deal. You don't know whether he's going to be even kept around for his next season. Obviously, you, you spent a second round pick in Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vildor so, showed some nice things um, as a fifth round pick uh, from this past year's draft. So you have some two guys there that you can potentially uh, look forward to building around in the secondary. But outside of that, though, the, the cornerback position is a little bit bereft of talent to a degree. You're looking at Buster Screen, he's probably gone this offseason in the slots. So you're going to be looking for a new nickel cornerback. Uh, Buster Screen uh, doesn't look like he's a guy that doesn't look like someone I, I would count on necessarily to step up and be a starter in that role. They're probably going to be looking for another starter in the slot. And they're probably going to be looking for another upgrade for a depth spot uh, for the slot cornerback position. And you can always use more um, outside depth as well at the cornerback spot. I mean, th- this is the way the league is trending. You can never have too many cornerbacks. I know the saying used to be that you can you can never have too many pass rushers. Well, we've started to see that shift to where coverage is starting to be more important than pass rush in today's NFL, the way that the game's played and the rules um, and how dynamic these wide receivers are coming into the league. You need cornerbacks that can cover these guys for long periods of time. So having a lot of depth there is I think a huge thing uh, at a quarterback position and looking at uh, one of the guys that I'm looking for at that spot. The first thing that comes to mind looking at the senior bowl roster is Ambry Thomas, a cornerback out of Michigan. He's a guy that opted out uh, of the past season in 2020. But when I look at him play, 
he's a type of guy that has the ability to play both inside in the slot or outside at the next level. I think he's somebody that is at his best kind of similar to Kilgill Vildor and that he's best as a press corner at the line of scrimmage where he can get his hands on receivers and be a little bit physical there at the line of scrimmage to kind of slow them down in press coverage. Uh, but he may need a year or two to develop um, because, like I said, he had a year off here. I believe only has one year as a starter. I could be wrong on that, though. But, again, uh, there are some things that he'll need to iron out in order to be ready to play at the next level. But he's a guy that I think does have potential to be a starter down the road. I I've seen a lot of mock drafts that he's projected to go late third, early fourth round. Um, but with how important the quarterback position is, uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see him go a little bit higher than that, just because I'm not sure this Cormac class has as much depth as last year's draft does. Yeah, listen, the Bears got Jalen Johnson, who in any other draft, I think despite the shoulder injuries, would have been a surefire first-round pick, right? But Thomas is interesting because, like, you know, you mentioned, I mean, he has taken some time off just because of COVID and everything, right? But I really think, like, with him, I mean – the guy, right? There were times when he was playing in 2019, right? With and whatever limited tape is available, where you're like, okay, he does seem like he's taking like coverage off there, right? Or there were coverage opportunities where he just came up completely empty and got beaten by the wide receiver. And I think that when we look at him kind of going into Mobile and the pretty good group of wide receivers that are expected to be there, it's going to be critical that Thomas isn't getting beat on those every single play. Because I think for a guy like him, right, this is the type of prospect where it's like he can make or break what happens this draft process for him over the next week in Mobile. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see how he does in the one-on-one -on -one drills uh, that they'll be doing down at Mobile. Because uh, if he can match up well in one-on-one -on -one coverage there, that's really his bread and butter as a player, I think, at least from the limited shape that I've been able to see of him. He seems to be really good in man coverage, but kind of has his inconsistencies in zone. So, yeah, if he can really stand out in that part, I think uh, I think that's going to do wonders for his draft stock going forward. Um, all right, moving on to the next guy I have listed down here, uh, going to the edge position, which I, I mentioned earlier that these, this group of pass rushers is going to be pretty good here down in uh, Mobile uh, this upcoming week. And one of the guys that I'm going to be keeping my eye on specifically is Rashad uh, Hamilcar, uh, edge player out of Oregon State. He's kind of one of those athletic edge linebacker hybrid type of players. Um, he had you know, 14 sacks in 2019 before a very disappointing 2020. He had, he had zero sacks in this past season. And he's one of those guys to where you kind of question, kind of like an, an Anthony Barr type of player, Zach Bond uh, in last offseason, or even a Josh Uche uh, in, last draft, in the last draft, where you kind of question what position will he be playing at the next level? Because at 6'4", 235 pounds, he's a bit of a tweener. Uh, he's kind of undersized to be a pure edge, but you know, he's not quite a, a full-on off-ball linebacker either because all of his, ex, all of his experience uh, is at that edge spot uh, in college. You know, the Senior Bowl has him listed as a linebacker, so I'm not sure if that means he's going to be doing a lot of off-ball drills or if he's still going to be just a pass rusher who's designated as a linebacker. I'm not sure, uh, but they do designate edge and linebacker at the Senior Bowl, so that'll be interesting to see whether he gets in on the off-ball linebacker drills and does a little bit more of that. You know, as a player to kind of compare him to somebody, he kind of reminds me a bit of Leonard Floyd. Um, 
And, you know, Leonard Floyd, he never reaches upside as a pass rusher here in Chicago, but he was a very good all-around linebacker for what they needed for him in that in, in that defense, where he's a guy that can rush off the edge a little bit. You can bring him off stunts and blitzes. If he can do some nice things there, you can drop him back in coverage. He sets the edge well in the run game. I, I think Rashad, that'll be the type of player that you're looking at here for his skill set. Uh, there's a lot of athletic upside to work with here. I think he's one of those players that he needs to go to the right team in the right environment uh, to a team that really knows how to use his skill set to its maximum value. Yeah, and you know, I really like the um, Leonard Floyd comp for Rashad Jr. Because like when coming out of Georgia, right, about five to six years ago, one of the big knocks on Leonard Floyd was that, yo, this guy's a terrific athlete but he needs to add more muscle if he's going to be a super effective pass rusher. Right. And like, I think Floyd coming out of Georgia was like 245 or something. Right. Rashad's listed at 238, I believe. And um, when we look at him, right. It's just like NFL teams covet the versatility. Right. And I know that we don't have a knack for who's going to be, well, the bears have not hired a new defensive coordinator yet. Hopefully that gets finalized over the next couple of days here, because then we can really begin to look at some of these draft prospects and say, okay, who gonna, who are going to be ideal fits for the types of defensive schemes that um, the new defensive coordinator is going to be running. Right. But like, I look at Rashad and I'm like, okay, the guy has future starter written all over him, but it's just going to depend on what situation does he land in and teams are going to have to be patient on his development, right? Because they have to understand is that this isn't someone that's going to come in and have double digit sacks from day one. All right. But if you give it a year or two, right. Or even three years and you just keep him around as a rotational guy on your rookie contract on his rookie contract, right. He is the type of player that can possibly develop um, into that. Right. And, you know, when I look at it, he is somewhat raw as a um, pass rusher, but it's like you hit on, I'll hit on this point again, is that the upside is definitely there to be able to make him into a consistent three down player and a good edge rusher. Yeah. And I think when just looking at this things from a purely bearish perspective, it's going to really depend on what type of scheme they're running here next season on defense, because I think personally, when we look at their, their personnel as currently constructed, I think they're a better fit for a 4-3 team as opposed to a 3-4. We kind of saw that Robert Quinn, he's not really the best fit as an, as an off, as a, when's the off-ball linebacker, but as a standing linebacker, you know, kind of edge player there. He needs his hand in the dirt more, I think, as a pass rusher there. But if they do decide to play more of that 3-4 and maybe just use Robert Quinn as kind of a situational guy where he has his hand in the dirt, you know, Rashad could fill that Barkevious Mingo role for that defense where he's kind of a – you know, jack of all trades linebacker that kind of rotates in, you know, plays a lot of coverage on early downs, pass rush him a little bit, kind of just do a lot of jack of all trades type of things. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see from the Bears perspective on how they kind of formulate their defense this offseason because they still haven't decided on a defensive coordinator as of this recording. Uh, so we don't know what they're going to be running next year. So that'll be the interesting thing to see. But if they do stick with a similar scheme as they have been running over the past few years or so, I think Rashad would be a nice player to add in terms of just adding a versatile piece to your defense. All right, last guy I want to cover here on the defensive side of the ball is somebody that I came across really over the last week or so, and he really got my attention based off of some of the things I've seen from other uh, draft Twitter analysts out there, and that's 
I, I fee to uh, Melifonwu, a cornerback out of Syracuse. And the one thing that stands out to me is that this guy is just a freak athlete. Uh, for those who don't know, his brother, Obu Melifonwu, uh, a former second-round pick of the then Oakland Raiders. And you look at him here, um, six foot three, 210 pounds at cornerback uh, with elite speed and explosiveness for the position. So this is a guy that, in terms of if you're just building a quarterback out of granite, I mean, this is a guy that you want to be playing on the outside at the quarterback position, especially if you're a team that likes to run a lot of press man, a lot of cover three zone type of coverages there. Um, he's kind of like the perfect build for that. And, you know, when I look at him personally, I think not only can he play on the outside at cornerback, but I think he's, he's got, he could have a future converting to safety as well at either safety spot, free safety or strong safety, because He's a guy that has shown that he's not afraid to play physical in the run game as well. He's not afraid to, uh, you know, get dirty and get in the run game and get physical there and and uh, make a play on the running back in a crowd. Uh, so he's a guy that maybe you can put him at short at strong safety if he doesn't really develop at cornerback, and he can just be a hard hitting, fast type of player on the back end of your defense there. But like I said, he, he's a he's a bit raw in a lot of areas of his game, but I think. You know, if there's a team that is looking for a project quarterback, looking for a guy to develop and maybe find a home run type of guy on day two or even day three, I think they're going to fall in love with this guy because he has a lot of physical ability. And if he plays well in this next week here at the Senior Bowl, uh, he, his stock could go through the roof here and he could really uh, jump off draft boards in, in, over the next few months or so. Yeah, and you know, you kind of hit on it, right? Is that this is someone that like you can kind of play in multiple different spots, which again, you know, the way that the defenses are kind of going in the NFL in terms of having that one hybrid defender, which is usually like a defensive back, by the way, that can, you know, play in the slot, that can line up and blitz on the line of scrimmage, that they can just kind of move around the field, right? And the most notable guy who got drafted last year in the 2020 draft was Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, right? Um, the one big thing with Ifidu here, right, is going to be like, what exactly is his traditional like fit going to be, right? Is where do teams see him fitting inside their defense? Because there were concerns, there have been concerns about players of his caliber that have come out in the past and have been like, okay, where exactly his fit is, where would his fit be, right? Is he potentially someone that could play linebacker? And I'm not saying that that's going to apply to Ifidu. Melon Fan Wu here in terms of could he play linebacker? I mean, I do think he's going to be a true like defensive back at the next level, but like the one thing that he's going to have to work on and, you know, hopefully it shows up in mobile next week is just like, can he just be more consistent of a player and can he just really um, consistent, be consistent and just solidify the uh, technique? Because I think if he does those two things, right, what will happen is he is going to skyrocket up the draft board because teams are always looking for just guys who are really good athletes at their positions because they know, okay, those are the types of players that have the traits and the qualities needed to end up being really good starters in this league. Yeah. The, the upside is definitely there. And if you can get into the right environment with a coach that uh, coaching staff that can utilize his abilities to their absolute potential, uh, he could be a, a home run pick for a team later on in the draft looking for, uh, defensive back talent and I think the Bears they do have a need at both safety and cornerback so I think they could be in a good spot to if he does fall to them on day three per se 
um, that could be an opportunity to uh, get a guy with a ton of upside. We know Ryan Pace, he loves his project type players later in the draft with upside there. So um, that would, he's definitely a name to uh, keep an eye on for sure. All right. Lots of good stuff in the senior bowl there. We're going to finish up with a couple of uh, news from uh, about the draft combine coming up here. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to take our final break of the show with a word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, moving on from the Senior Bowl portion of today's podcast to the last thing I want to cover here. And that's some recent news we got about the NFL Combine. Um, so for those who are listening here that may not be aware, there will officially not be a traditional Combine this season uh, due to the pandemic. Um, all in-person workouts will be handled at team facilities at Pro Days. Uh, it seems like the NFL is doing a little bit more to kind of try and get testing to where it's more consistent across each school because we've seen some wildly different scores um, based off of the type of school that we've seen at, at, at these pro days. It, it doesn't always seem to be the most accurate uh, testing numbers, so to speak, when compared to the combine. Um, but uh, just moving on here to you know some of these updates here, uh, interviews uh, between players and teams are gonna be handled virtually. So. No one's going to be going to Indianapolis to interview teams or anything like that. And medical information is going to be handled kind of similar to, to what they did with uh, uh, in-person workouts as well. So uh, you say, I just kind of want, want to get your quick thoughts here. It doesn't sound like we're getting the, the combine this year, which, which sucks because the combine for me, it's one of the, the best times of the year in terms of the scouting process. It's a lot of fun um, to see, you know, some people call it the underwear Olympics, so to speak. And that's where we see a lot of guys stock really, you know, jump up there. We see a lot of guys get overdrafted really, or, you know, or get drafted higher uh, because of a great performance at the combine where they can kind of show off their, their physical ability. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts here on uh, the combine and uh, not happening for 2021? You know, it's certainly going to have implications because I know I mentioned with the senior ball earlier in the show, and I'll mention it again here. I mean, there was a combine last year, right? And the combine obviously happens in February into the first week of March. And first, right around like the second or third week of March last year was when the pandemic kind of really hit the United States. But when we look at it, right, this is perhaps the signature event in the pre-draft process, because this is where teams meet with as many prospects as they can. Right. And then you have those quick 15 minute interviews that teams are allowed. And then based off that, right. Teams decide, okay, so who do we want to go ahead and who do we want to bring back, you know, bring to the team facilities for, um, for, uh, you know, the actual like pre-draft process. And I think, pre-draft process visits and teams obviously go ahead and get 30 of those. And so to have the interviews over zoom and have them virtually this year is going to have big implications because ultimately in those 15 minute meetings that take place, right. What tends to happen is you have teams, you know, it's the GM, the coaches, there are a lot of top guys in front offices. Those are the ones asking the prospects, right. Just preliminary questions. You're also checking out their football knowledge, right. And so to not have that, essentially, you're losing a lot of homework time on a lot of prospects. Yeah, that'll be that'll be significant for sure. And I think another consequence is going to be that I personally believe that we're going to see testing numbers for you know, the 40 yard dash, three cone times, all that stuff. I think we're going to see that stuff be a little bit inflated uh, this year compared to previous drafts because 
I mean, usually the pro days, players usually perform better at their pro days than they do at the combine. I think some of that is just with the way they measure the tests there um, a little bit differently. Um, you know, it's not really um, the same across the board for each school. So I, it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see higher testing numbers or better testing numbers this year compared to uh, prior seasons, which will be interesting. You know, it really puts the onus on, you know, evaluating these guys through what you see on tape and not necessarily what you see in these individual workouts here. So I, I think it's going to be a good test for a lot of front offices around the NFL, you know, and I, I think uh, scouts are going to be working in overdrive this year to kind of get this right and um, try and, and decipher, you know, who the best players are uh, for their team. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. Uh, we might have some more information on that or more news on that coming up in the next upcoming weeks, upcoming weeks here, I should say. But yeah, for now, it's, you know, it's sad to see uh, no combine this year, but uh, we'll see how that unfolds here for the draft and how the impacts the draft going forward uh, when we get there in the next few months or so. All right. You said, I want to end this podcast uh, with one final thing. What are your predictions for, uh, the conference championship games this weekend. Let's, we'll go over that uh, really quick here. What are your predictions for those games? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Green Bay ends up beating Tampa Bay just because it's very hard to beat Aaron Rodgers in a season twice. All right, and the Packers right now are playing the best football of any fo- of any of the teams left in the NFL playoffs. So, and then I'm going to pick here a bit of an upset. I know it's going to be a bit of an upset for some people. The Chiefs-Bills game is going to come down to Patrick Mahomes' health. And I know Patrick Mahomes has gone ahead and practiced two days this week, right? But, like, is he really going to be at 110%? Because it's not just a concussion. He is dealing with a foot issue too, right? So I'm going to say Buffalo knocks off Kansas City. So give me Green Bay versus Buffalo in the Super Bowl this year. What about you? Interesting, interesting. I I, I like that uh, uh, Buffalo-Kansas City pick. That could be a... I could definitely see that happening as well, but I'm going to go with the opposite of you on, on both games. You know, I think Tampa Bay, I think they just match up very well against the Packers. And I think, you know, obviously I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the blowout that we saw early in the season when those two teams face, but you know, the Buccaneers, they, their offense is starting to really click at this point in the season. Um, you know, it seems like Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, Brian Leftwich, and all those weapons they have in offense. They're finally, they finally got it together. And, you know, even if the Packers do a much better job at handling the Buccaneers defense this time around, I feel like the, the, the Buccaneers, uh, they have the weapons to be able to hold up and match the Packers point for point in this game. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers uh, in the NFC for that one. And I'm taking the Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills. I think that'll be a very close game as well. Uh, Josh Allen's been phenomenal over the second half of the season, but I just don't see Patrick Mahomes losing at home Um in a conference championship game again. I, I just don't see it happening. You know, the Chiefs are a team that when they're at their best, there's no team that can beat them in the NFL, period. Uh, when their offense is rolling like they have been at times over the past, you know, three years, uh, they're just unbeatable. And I feel like in the playoffs with everything on the line here, we're going to see the best from that team. I, I don't I don't think uh, the Bills necessarily had the defense that can slow them down either. So, uh, I, I'm going to have a Buccaneers Chiefs Super Bowl uh, for this one. Uh, should be a fun one overall. Uh, we'll see how this weekend plays out there. Um, hopefully the Packers lose. I would really not like to see that happen where the Packers are in the Super Bowl uh, for another year. But 
you know, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, that's a good time to conclude this episode of the Picks for Case podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Case. Uh, you say where can they find your work and follow you on Twitter? Yeah, guys, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Got a lot of work coming up for the Bear Report this offseason, so be sure to uh, check it out. Yep, and you can follow me at AJ Freeman 25 Again, I'm going to be down there at the Senior Bowl this upcoming week. So for anyone looking for Senior Bowl updates, make sure to give me a follow. Um, I'll be trying to stay as active as possible this next week, uh, trying to get as much stuff there as possible. All right, um, so thanks again to all of our listeners on all, for tuning in on all platforms here. Um, we're not going to be able to record next week just because I'm not <laughs> – I'll be down there at the Senior Bowl. Just going to be very busy with that. But when we get back together in about two weeks or so, um, our entire focus is going to be on this upcoming draft class and kind of previewing some of the top uh, guys in this class at each position. We're going to really start to dig into our positional previews and start getting those out there um, over the next few months or so. So keep an eye out for that, Bears fans. Uh, Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.